Uh, we're in the middle of a series called Hearts on Fire for Jesus, and uh, last week uh, was the week about giving, uh, giving financially specifically. Uh, rather than me rehash what I said last week, we're going to watch a clip that I found during the week, and this clip actually is designed specifically for another church, but uh, you'll see some of the things in there. But what it says is really helpful, I think, to remind us why we give and how we give, and uh, where that money goes to and what, it, what it's used for as well. So we're going to watch that and then uh, we're going to have a look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and Acts 2 together. It's good for us to be thinking about, isn't it? About being generous in how we give and we thought a lot about that last week. Uh, and today we're going to be thinking about is being generous in our whole life, in every aspect of our lives. And as we saw at the end of that clip, we were generous because God was first generous to us and paid the highest price to bring us into a relationship with him. And uh, I think I turn it on, that might help, might not? There you go. Uh, remember last week that verse that we saw in uh, 2 Corinthians, it says, For we know, for you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that by his poverty we might become rich. Uh, that is rich in eternity, isn't it? Rich in his grace, rich in his blessings to live for him. And it's out of that that we are generous in all that we give. Uh, he doesn't want us to be generous in our financial giving, but he wants to be generous in our whole lives with everything that we have. So I'm going to be thinking about that this morning. How can we be generous in everything that we have? We're going to be thinking how we can be generous with the gifts that we have and the talents that we have and how we can be generous with everything that we have. Uh, so we're going to have first read. We're going to have two passages today. We're going to be looking at uh, Matt Harper is going to read the first one to us. I'll read the second one a little bit later. So I'm going to look at one Corinthians chapter twelve, verses one to eleven. I'm going to be thinking about that one specifically about being generous with the gifts that God has given us. You've got your Bible in front of you. You can open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 or you can just look on the screen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now about spiritual gifts. Brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking... Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous signs, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. 
Now, uh, we're not going to pull all that passage apart and uh, do everything that we would normally from, uh, if we're working through the passage, but we're just going to concentrate and bed down in just a couple of parts of it uh, today and be thinking specifically about what it is uh, about the gifts that we have and what God has given to us. Uh, because it, remember the theme song we've been singing over the last little while about it, that we are to be God's feet, God's hands, God. Well, that really comes a little bit out of 1 Corinthians 12 because if you read on the rest of 1 Corinthians 12, you'll see that Jesus, uh, Paul speaks to the Corinthians and he's talking to them about the body of Christ. He's talking about how each member, each part of the body comes together to be a witness for God, a witness for Jesus in the world around them. Uh, because in 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing to them because this is a church who are off the show. This is a church that's going off in directions over here and directions over here. One person thinks they can do this, one thinks they can do that. One thinks that they're more spiritual than the other because they can do something and they're, they're all over the shop. Uh, and so what Paul wants to do is to bring them back and say, hey, 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 guys, hold on. You don't have anything unless God's given to, to you first. All these different gifts he talks about, and they're not the whole list of gifts that the Bible talks about, but all these different ones are not there because something important about you, but it's because God's given them to you first and foremost. And secondly, he's given them to you for a reason. And that's what it says there if you look in verse 7. He says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And in that verse itself it's saying that there are two things specifically that we have God has given us gifts and talents for. The first one is, is that for the manifestation of the Spirit. Um, people start thinking, well, what does that mean? Do they have to be rolling around the floor and doing something strange or speaking some weird things? No, 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 no. What the manifestation of the Spirit is, manifestation means to show, to highlight, to demonstrate. Uh, at the moment, coming into Evans and coming into Broadie and Woodburn and all those places, there's new signs. I don't know whether you've noticed them, but they're pretty flash, aren't they? Uh, and if you drive into Evans at night, they actually light up and they shine and they're bright and you go, wow, I'm home, I'm back in Evans' head. It brightens it, it shines it for you. That's a manifestation of the sign. It shows what the sign's about, you can see it. It demonstrates that this is a sign you're about to hit Evans' head. The manifestation of the Spirit means that we are to be signs that God is at work within us, that we are to show how great and how good God is. That's what the manifestation of the Spirit is because the Spirit is always pointing to how great God is. The Spirit always leads us to Jesus to show how good he is. So that sign that brightens up to show that Evan's head is, we're to be signs, billboards, to show how great God is, how wonderful Jesus is, and all our gifts and talents are to do that, are to show how good he is, to show how wonderful he is. So that's the first thing that we have gifts and talents for, is to show how great God is, how wonderful Jesus is. And the second one is for the common good. Do you see that in verse 7? Spirit is given for the common good. Do you know that all the talents and gifts that you have, that God has given you, are not just for you? Breaking news, everybody. Okay? You are not who you are, gifted and talented as you are, just for yourself. Actually, not for yourself, ultimately. Ultimately, you're for the common good, for everybody else. You have gifts and talent for the betterment of other people, for those around you, for the people sitting beside you today, for the community around us. That's why you've got them. Not so you can stand on a pedestal, but so you can lift others up to see how good they are, 
It's funny, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever seen this. God's gift to women. Not many of the blokes here wear that, probably for good reason. Uh, but actually, we are all God's gifts to each other. You ever thought that? And not on the, ha ha, you've got to look after me type thing, but God's gift to serve each other. It flips it, doesn't it? That T-shirt tries to make the person underneath it feel so much better about things. But actually, this is actually saying, you are God's gift to everybody around you to lift them up, to say how good they are and to ultimately point to how good God is and how great God is. You ever thought about that before? What you've been given, your gifts, your talents, are a gift to the people that are sitting around you here this morning. I read this, uh, we are God's gifts to each other. Like a master composer, he brings all the instruments together, each with a different tone, each playing a different part, and he makes it turn out so beautifully. You see, God has given us to each other to encourage and build one another up to show how great God is. And that means that absolutely no one here in this room can sit on your hands. There are to be no silent instruments. Orchestra is not there for an instrument just to sit in the corner and just look pretty. Might as well get rid of it, mightn't you? An instrument's there to play, to be part of, to join in. Now, sometimes that instrument doesn't sound exactly on tune or sound far wonderful, but together we are beautiful. You see, we are not, or I am not, who I am for me and my glory. We can either live that way or have actually been designed to live so I am who I am for others and God's glory. It's a change of attitude, isn't it? It's a change of thinking because we are so much about building one person up to be how good they are and how great they are and to put them on a pedestal. It's how far you can get up the ladder. It's how much status you can get. It's how many Facebook likes you can have. But no, 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 no. We have been given gifts and talents by God for each other to show how great God is. Changes your thinking, doesn't it? Changes your attitude. How are you going at that? How have you been thinking about that in the past? Can I encourage you today to change your attitude? Think about it. How good is it that God just hasn't given you something to give some talents just so that you can make yourself look good, but so that you can glorify God and build each other up? Encourage one another to grow one another so that we become more like Jesus together. Have a think about your talents and gifts, guys. Have a think about what you're good at, the different things that God has given you and think about taking your hands out from under your backsides and using them. Now, can I say lots of you do that? I reckon we've got an amazing bunch of people here who do that extremely well. But I want to encourage you to keep doing that, to keep thinking about that, thinking about opportunities that you have to use what God has given you to generously give back to him and to the people around you that he's placed there for you to encourage and grow. Uh, we're going to get an opportunity to do that after, two, after this service this morning, aren't we? Uh, to get out there together and get into the, maybe in the garden, depending on the rain and what's going on, 
they get out there and do that together. It's a wonderful thing to be able to do. And that encourages and builds one another up and helps us to grow up to be more like Jesus together. So how do you recognise your gift? Now, I'm not going to go into that today. We've done that in the past at different times. And you have inside a little leaflet there. Nice to have my name beside Billy Graham, isn't it? I mean, you know, similar sort of character. Um, maybe not. <laughs> I speak in Australian. He speaks American. Um, I've handed this out once before in the past, but I thought it would be handy to hand out to you again. Uh, this is something that uh, I picked a bit off what Billy Graham had said about finding gifts and so forth. I thought it would be encouraging you. I've added and changed and adapted a few things. That's why my name is written on there. Maybe at least one word's mine. Um, but just read that. I'm not going to go into that. Have a think about that. Because today's not for me to tell you what your gift is and uh, do that, but to encourage you to use that gift. For you to remember that it is God-given. He has placed you here as a gift to everybody else to serve them and encourage them to show how great our God is to show how wonderful our salvation is through Jesus. That's why we're placed together, guys. That's why we're here, to do that together and to be generous in that. But not only does uh, the Bible tell us to be generous about our gifts and to use them for each other, but it tells us to be generous in everything that we have. Our heart's on fire for generosity with our everything. Uh, We're going to have a look at Acts. So if you open up the Bible to Acts chapter 2. Acts is uh, the second part of Luke's story about Jesus. Luke, the Gospel of Luke's the first part. Acts is the second part. And uh, it's a pretty exciting time in the beginning of the church. Uh, The first Christians have gathered together. Uh, Amazing stuff has happened. Jesus uh, left them. He's uh, given them the Holy Spirit to go out and spread the word. They've spoken it. They've said it. And there's thousands of people who have come to know Jesus. And in Acts chapter 2, we get a glimpse of what it's like in the very early church. Uh, who remembers these? <laughs> Don't admit it. Yes, yes, yes. Put your hand up. Be proud. Play school watchers, hands in the air. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, they were all great, weren't they? The windows. Which window are we going to look through today? The round, the square, or I'm not sure what the other one was. The arch, there you go. And what would you do? You'd go to the window and then you'd go inside and it would open up and you'd get a picture of something that you'd never seen before as a kid. And you'd go, wow. Uh, Well, the picture that we're looking through today is the picture of Axe. I'm not sure which one it was on at the time. Uh, But this picture, we're opening up the window and we're looking inside the very first Christians as they're gathering together. Exciting stuff's happening around them. People are getting converted. Things are going crazy. Same time persecution is happening. But what do they do? What do they do when they first come to know Jesus? This is it. This is what they did in Acts chapter 2. So have a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And we'll read that together. I'll read that for you. They... That is, all those have just become followers of Jesus. Back in verse 41, you would have seen that if you read through. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, 
praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's an exciting picture, isn't it? Imagine coming in and looking at that and going, wow. Can I tell you, when you get to chapter 3 and chapter 5, things are going skew if already. So don't think that they just stayed like this, all right? They battled as well. But this is a great little picture for us to think, what does it look like when you become a follower of Jesus, not just a fan of Jesus? When you come to see him for who he is and you come to put your trust in him. And what it looks like is radical generosity. Radical generosity. And that's what we're going to pull apart this morning a little bit. What that looks like and think about that for each other. Uh, Those who watched the movie during the week, a few of you came along to that. It's a really encouraging, challenging movie to be watching. Uh, And it's about going from just a fan of Jesus saying, yeah, I really like Jesus, he's a good guy, to becoming a follower of Jesus. It goes from a guy who thought he knew Jesus or knew about him to actually coming to know him personally. And it was a radical change in his life. Uh, He went from a guy who, you know, he went to church on Sunday, generally spoke of himself as a follower of Jesus, uh, believed in Jesus, uh, but then had an amazing, uh, had a heart attack and that changed his perspective in life and then he decided that he needed to follow Jesus and not just be a fan and that had radical impact on him. Uh, He changed his job, he had to sell his house, he had to break things right down and completely bring it back to something completely different and it was really tough on them. It was very challenging on them because he went from just knowing about Jesus to actually knowing Jesus personally and it changed him completely. And he had the idea of basically live simply to give generously. That's not a bad saying for all Christians, is it? I mentioned last week about Rick Warren. Gives away 90% of his income and lives off 10. Now I'm not saying you have to do that. But his motto was he needs to live simply and give generously. And that works out in radical generosity, doesn't it? Uh, In a completely amazing way. Look at what these guys did. Back in the first thing, they devoted themselves to the teaching of Jesus. They broke bread together. That's possibly communion. They were devoted to prayer. But then they gathered together and look what they did. In verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. You know, when they had garage sales, they just didn't get it to go towards their latest plan of what they wanted to do or buy their new TV or get their whatever. They actually had garage sales to give away. And they were doing that regularly. That's a challenge, isn't it? That's radical thinking about what we do with what we have. Our possessions, they realise, is not their own. We live in a very a particular culture where if you've worked hard at it, you've bought it, then it's yours. I'm very much like that. I often think, well, I've, you know, that's my car. I'll do with it what I want to do with it. If anyone wants to borrow it, I'll make sure they leave a down payment of $1,000 and their insurance is up to scratch. We like that, aren't we? We think, oh, and each of us have our little thing that we're a bit unsure. Would I really lend that? No, not, would I actually give that to someone who needed it? That's a challenge, isn't it? You see, these guys 
when they saw a need, someone who actually needed, and this wasn't just that they thought it was a nice thing to have, but they literally needed something. They sold other things so that that person was not in need anymore. I think that's a challenge for us, isn't it? There should be no one sitting here this morning, there should be no one that we know that is part of us who say that there are followers of Jesus that come to us who is in need of anything in a possession-wise, financially. We should be able to say, I will give to that and I will help them. They need a car? Well, maybe I give them a car. Do I really need it? Well, you might do, I don't know. But maybe you give it to them and lend it to them for a period of time until they're able to get a new one. Maybe you've got one that you're not using as much, maybe you give it away. Maybe you've got three TVs in your, in your house and maybe you only really need one. Maybe you've got, who knows, multiple things in your house. Maybe you've got a couple of couches there and really there's only two of you at home now, but there's someone you know who doesn't have that. Maybe you've gone through your cupboards and your kids have grown out of all your clothes and there's someone you know who's got that. Maybe there's someone you know who actually is the same size of you, who's the same age as you, wears similar clothes to you, but can't get it, but you need to give them your clothes. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's radical generosity. Because what they knew was that everything that they have is God-given. Yeah, you work and whatever, but you only can work because God has allowed you to work. You can only earn what you can because God has given you the gift and talents to do that. You only gift and talent to get to where you are because God has allowed you to do that and provide that for you. So ultimately, all of it is His, not yours at all. We're only looking after things. And God says to us that we need to look out for the needy, the poor. We need to provide for people. Radical generosity. It's worth pondering, isn't it? I'm not saying you personally need to do this. this is something we all need to go home and pray about, don't we? How can we be like that? Because of what God has done for us. Remember last week, we saw the difference between we tend to have a world where we say it's all like this. You close it, you get it, and you hold on to it. Whereas the Bible says, no, 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 no. Radical generosity is you have your hands open and you give. Because God has given to you. God has given you salvation in Jesus. The, the, the person who had everything became poor for us so that we could become rich in him in eternity. Radical generosity. Radical in their giving financially. Radical in their possessions. Radical in their time. Did you see how often they met together? Every day. Hey, look, I love you guys. I'm not sure I want to meet with you every day, but it's radical, isn't it, though? It's radical. It's saying that we actually we want to encourage each other and build one another. We need to meet with other, each other regularly to do that. Now, don't get me wrong. We, we've been talking lots, haven't we, about not just getting together in our own groups, but it's getting together and bringing people into that. In a minute, we're going to see at the end of the passage that God adds to that number daily because people see this radical change People want to know about it. They can't see that radical change unless you're out in the community, by the way. But it's radical change, radical generosity. We don't see that very often today, do we? Very rarely. But that is to be a hallmark of you and I. If we want to manifest the Spirit, if we want to show how great God is, where do we need to be radically generous in everything that we have?
Look what they did in verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Now these were Jewish converts to start with. So they used to gather in the temple courts on Saturday just with all the others that were there. But they would be different. They'd be radically different they were doing that. You find later out in the New Testament they stopped doing that and they tended to have their own meetings, especially when Gentiles became, non-Jews became Christians. They didn't do that as much. But they were saying that we are radically different. We're going to teach about Jesus here amongst the people who need to hear about Jesus in the Jewish courts. But then they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I just want to delve into that for a moment. Do you know that hospitality is one of the most mentioned gifts in the whole of the Bible? The most mentioned. Gifts of healing, gifts of speaking tongues, yeah, they're mentioned, but not as much as hospitality. Gifts of teaching, gifts of ministry, those sort of they're mentioned, but hospitality is mentioned more than all of them. Because it's a way to show the radicalness of Jesus, isn't it? Radical generosity says that my house is not a castle, my house is a home. And I'm welcoming you in. That's radical generosity, isn't it? That change. Because we tend to think of our houses like castles, don't we? We tend to think that they're... Let me get there. There we go. We tend to think that, all right, we've built it, we've got it, it's my place. I've got my remote control door, I'll drive in there, I'll close it, no one needs to see me. Uh, not that we're so much in Evan's head because we're probably still working on what it used to be like in one sense where there was no big gates at the front, no big things. But every now and then you'll see that, won't you? Big walls go up around houses, closing off the world because this is my little oasis. This is mine. This is what I keep to me. And I bunker down in that house I get in there, I close the doors, and I turn on the TV and no one else can come in here. This is my place. And don't you dare interrupt me because the football's on at 3.30 and no one's allowed to be in here then. I'm happy for anyone to join me for football, by the way. <laughs> you can come and join me any time. I'm not sure whether you'll stay there, but you're welcome to join me at any period of time. My wife, my wife closes the door and runs out the back, but it's okay. But this is what we're to be like, aren't we? Welcome. The mat's open, the door's open. Come in. Come and join us. Go through the New Testament, have a look, and especially in the Gospel, have a look at the amount of times that Jesus eats with people. How many times he's invited into a house and they sit down and they eat? Can you remember the story in Mark chapter 2? I don't know whether you remember but it's where the paralytic is taken up on top of the roof, digs through the roof and they lower him into the house. Imagine the people that were living in that house. We actually think it might have been Peter and his wife in Capernaum. Here you are and you've invited Jesus over to come over for dinner. Hey Jesus, do you want to come for dinner? Yeah, great. Not all you 50,000 people. Suddenly there's Jesus and there's a whole house full, completely packed out. You'd be thinking... Oh man, oh don't touch anything, don't break that little bit of pottery over there. Oh, I haven't washed up for a while, look at the dishes over here. No, no, no. And, and then next minute you hear this, thunk, 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 thunk. What on earth is happening now? Thunk, 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 thunk. Those rats have got really big. What is happening on the roof? The next minute, imagine if you're Peter and the wife going, we just redid the roof. We rethatched it. It's perfectly colour coordinated with our front door. And here it is, dug in. 
Man, this Jesus is crazy. It's a challenge though, isn't it? Now that story is not specifically about having an open house, but imagine that, having an open roof policy. Anyone can come in at any time. Or maybe not quite like that. But that idea of having an open roof policy in your house. And especially when we see those that are in need. Especially when we see those who are lonely. Especially when we see those who don't have family. Have we got to welcome that? Or is the door shut, closed, blinds down and we bunker in? It's good to ponder, isn't it? And, you know, sometimes we say, well, you know, but no one invites me over. That Wrong answer. Right answer is, I don't care if no one invites me, I'm going to invite them to my place. It's not about someone else having an open roof policy, it's about you having an open roof policy, an open home policy. It's about us saying, can I be generous with what God has given me? If I've got a house, I've got a roof over my head, and I can afford to put some food on the table, it doesn't have to be much. Chips are pretty cheap with bread. Love it. Chips and bread, bit of sauce, bottle of Coke, I'm set. Invite me any day. <laughs> it's not going to cost you a fortune. Ah, oh, the cake might cost you a little bit. Uh, but the, you see, the hospitality, we don't hear what they feed them. Do we? We don't hear that. Bit of bread, bit of wine, bit of oil. We don't hear what they're because it's not actually the food, the food, the feeding that's the main part in one sense. It's feeding them, but it's gathering together and saying, "You're welcome here." And when those people went into Peter and maybe his wife's home in Capernaum and they opened up, what did they encounter? They encountered Jesus and the phenomenal transformation that Jesus brings to lives. He heals the paralytic, he gets up and he walks out with his mat. You see, when people come into our house, they are to experience the radicalness of Jesus. And they can look in a whole lot of different ways, isn't it? But imagine when people walk into our house, they see radical generosity, they see how we love, how we care, they experience Jesus. His hands and his feet, his body working together. They come in and they're tired and they're worn out and they're stressed and we sit down and we listen and we pray for them. There's someone in your community, they've come in and they've come and they're speaking to you, they're talking about what's going on in their life and you're able to share how Jesus has changed your life and share that with them. There's people who know Jesus, you bring them into your home, you share, you have fun, you enjoy each other's company, you share about what Jesus is doing in life, you hear what Jesus is doing in their life, you pray together, you, spend it, you open up the Bible together and say, hey, look at what God has been saying to me this week. Look at what Jesus is doing here. Radical transformation. You see, it's not an open home policy for the sake of open home policy. It's an open home policy so people get to meet Jesus. You know, it's not radical generosity just for the sake of being radically generous. It's radically generosity so that people get to meet Jesus. They get to see him. They get to experience him. They get to get a bit of a picture of what this Jesus is about by the way that we are transformed, by that we are radically generous in everything that we do. Because what happens? Look at what happens in verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people and the Lord added to their name the daily those who are being saved. That is crazy. 
when people see the radical transformation that Jesus has on people's lives, they want to know. And God brings them in and he meets with these people and they get radically changed. They hear about Jesus and they get transformed. And then they go out and live it and then God brings people to them and then they get radically changed and it grows. Maybe not thousands a day like happened in Acts, but one here and one there. And then that person goes off and impacts another person. And God works it out so that more people come to know Jesus, so that more people manifest the Spirit, so that more people grow in their gifts and talents to build up to the common good, so that more people come to know Jesus. That goes around again, doesn't it? That's the exciting news about it. That's what God is doing when people see radical generosity in you and in me. Can I encourage you in that? Can I encourage you to go home, read Acts 2 again, maybe go back and have a look at 1 Corinthians 12 and ask God to help you to be radically generous in every part of your life. Financially, materially, spiritually, time-wise, in every aspect of our lives. God calls us to be radically generous in all of it because ultimately it brings glory to him and people come to know him and that's what he desires and that's where our hearts are to be. Our hearts on fire for Jesus are hearts that are radically generous with everything that we have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's a challenging part of your word this morning. Uh, We have and we live in a world that talks about getting and gathering and building up and holding on to and keeping. But Lord, you tell us that we have nothing apart from what you've given us and you give us everything so that we can give out in every way. Lord, we want to thank you for the blessings that we do have. We do thank you, Lord, that we can live in homes and we can be comfortable and we can drive cars and we are able to have these things, Lord, but please keep reminding us, Lord, that we don't have them but apart from you. There but by the grace go I, is that old saying, Lord, that is so true. Heavenly Father, remind us of the generosity that you have shown to us in Jesus. And because of that generosity you've shown to us in Jesus, we can be generous with everything that we have. And Lord, when we are radically generous for you, then the world sees you, Lord. And the world wants to know about you and we can introduce them to you through Jesus. Heavenly Father, we pray we can't do this by our own strength. We can only do that by the supernatural work of your Spirit within our hearts, changing it and moulding it and bringing it into conformity with you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you'll do that within each of our lives, in each of our hearts. We ask and we pray this, Lord, in the powerful name of Jesus who can change all things, even our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.